Podcast City Network. This is Jim the Podcast Sherpa from Too Many Podcasts, and you've got a ringside seat to the Mark the Shark MMA show. Let's get ready to podcast! Today's podcast episode is brought to you by Defense Soap. Defend what you have built. Used by all jiu-jitsu and MMA athletes to prevent skin infections. Save 15% with the code Mark the Shark MMA Show. This episode is also brought to you by Audible. You'll get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day trial. Hi everyone, I am your host, Mark the Shark Retorto, and welcome to the Mark the Shark MMA Show, where every week we talk about the wonderful sport of MMA. Today we will review the most recent and upcoming events in MMA news. In each episode, the format may be changed, but you will always be entertained. There will be special interviews with special guests, along with special insights on the sport from our guest hosts. Also, check out our Facebook page for news and updates on future episodes. Also, we appreciate donations from our listeners to keep our podcast up and running. You can make a donation by clicking on the Click the Support button found at anchor.fm slash show, And that's Mark spelled with a C and not a K. We are also looking for guests who want to be on the show and sponsors who want to advertise their product and brand on the show. For more information, contact me on the Mark the Shark MMA Show Facebook page. Page. Also, for a plug-in, if you're looking for a good action thriller suspense novel, check out a book called The Cabal, The Saga Begins. You can find it on both Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. It is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobooks format on Amazon.com, and paperback version only on BarnesandNoble.com, and hardcover version is only available at www.retortofamilybooks.com. For a good book for your kid to read, check out I Am a Survivor or Invisible Girl, written by a little 11-year-old girl by the name of Christina Retorta. She has her books in Kindle and audiobook format and paperback format on Amazon.com and paperback format on both Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And the hardcover version is only available at www.retortofamilybooks.com. Okay, everyone, keep on listening. We'll be back shortly after this break. All right, guys, we're back on the show. Today, I got a special guest, Dion, Big Smash Clash. How you doing today, buddy? I'm good, and yourself? Good, good, good. Uh, so where, where are you from? Um, I'm originally born and raised in uh, Hugo, Oklahoma, and I moved out to Arizona when I was probably 12, 12 or 11 or 12. So I have my life Oklahoma, half my life in the city. So. Okay. Do you miss uh, you miss where you used to live, or you like where you live now better? I love the city. I love the lights. I love uh, the commotion. But I go back every year or so to work on the farm. So I really I don't get to miss it just because I'm going back and forth and I have like the double life thing going on right now. Ah, I see. And then, like, going back, like, how did you begin uh, your martial arts? Did you start off with a traditional martial art, or were you a wrestler, well, or a boxer? 
no one and I, I never had no one in my family were, were were fighters um i didn't have any fighting friends at the time um i grew up only playing basketball soccer like the traditional sports a kid would play and when i moved out to arizona i discovered wrestling and so they were doing wrestling in my high school and uh, at the time, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, WWE type wrestling is what was in my head. And um, for sure, like, I, I went in and they were wearing, like, these tight little singlets. And I was like, okay, this is different. But from playing football, it, it meshed well. So wrestling is my background. I wrestled for three years in high school just to just – it wasn't a plan. It was just something that I did to stay in shape and go to college okay. for football. That was my sole purpose with wrestling. and. Uh, Went to college, fell out of love with football, and then I needed to find something just as physical, if not more. Um, I couldn't see myself, you know, sitting in a cubicle, doing any of those kind of jobs. Um, I couldn't see myself not playing sports. Um, so I hit up a friend, and then the next thing I know, I was in an MMA gym. Oh, interesting. So what, what made you fall out of love with football? Was it that you liked to want to play sports better or? So I started to learn that team sports, uh, they, you know, they always say you're only as good as your, your weakest link. Yeah. And um, when I got to college, I learned that politics was huge. I learned that there is a whole underside to college sports. It's, it's not just the best player that plays anymore. It's who you know. Um, how much money you have, um, and I didn't. I didn't appreciate that. I didn't like that. I didn't understand. I didn't see the purpose in working hard when the next man next to me was just going to get the the same amount of attention, same amount of reps. At least in high school, the best man played. Right? Yeah. And so, but it's not. It wasn't like that in college. And so then I was like, okay. So all my life, I had these big dreams of going to the NFL, and then I finally get to college, and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, if this is what football is, then I don't, I don't, I can't see myself doing it. So, um, yeah, so I got tired of the, the team sport. And um, I liked how, I like how honest one-on-one -on -one sports are. If I mess up, it's, it's me, you know, it's, yeah. it's not my coaches, it's not my teammates, it's not, it's not anything else. It's, it's the, it's the best way to find a lot of truths about yourself. And yeah. so that's, that also had to, uh, that also played in it too with losing the love for the sport. I just wanted, to, I wanted to test myself as an athlete and, uh, MMA was that, that outlet MMA, uh, I saw test me mentally, physically. Um, and then I fell in love with that sport. And so now here I am. Okay. So when you were in college, you didn't wrestle though. You just no. went MMA. You just did MMA. You just went right to camp. Yeah, well, it was funny because I would I would go to football practice and we'd be done at like three in the afternoon, and then right after that I would go straight to an MMA gym, and uh, so I was kind of doing like a weird two days, and then it turned into me skipping football practice just to go to MMA practice because I didn't have enough energy to get through those 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 sessions at all. So in college, all I did was I played um, football, and that was it. Um, on the side, I was doing little, a little bit of MMA training. I wasn't even uh, full-time there yet. 
Anytime. Yeah. And then uh, what you? I'm assuming you went the, the traditional route, like you did some amateur fights first, just to get your feet wet. Yeah. So uh, when I first got an MMA, I absolutely hated it. I didn't understand jujitsu. I didn't understand striking. I didn't understand. I knew wrestling, but I was getting destroyed by guys smaller than me. And that's when I learned that size wasn't everything at all. That, that I learned that um, it humbled me a lot because coming from football, the biggest guy, the fastest guy, the strongest guy, that's it. Like you, you don't really need that much more. But um, yeah, I went the traditional route of, of doing smokers. And I did about like four or five smokers and those are just like scrimmages in any other sport. You wear headgear, uh, the little four ounce mushroom gloves, shin guards. Mm. And uh, I did a couple of those just to get, just to see like if I really wanted to, to do this. And yeah. I did, I, I liked it. I did the smokers, I did well. Um, I got a little bit of a, of a following, of getting my name out there through the smokers uh, in Arizona. But um, yeah, that, that's the route I went. And then my amateur, so this is where it gets, kind of interesting so I did well in the smokers and I started to understand like the weight cut and eating clean and because I never before then I never gave a shit about eating clean I never I never cared about what I put in my body I just knew that I was athletic and I learned fast and I can do it that's all I had mm -hmm. so with MMA uh, my first amateur fight I uh, I lost in the first round from and, and a, or a Darce choke. And so that fight, I lost to a guy named Jordan Johnson who fights in, who fought in the UFC, did really well, now fights in the PFL and is also doing really well. And he was a D1 wrestler. And that's all I knew at the time before I even signed the contract. And at that time, I didn't know anything about doing research. I didn't know anything about studying opponents. Um, all that backstory stuff, I never knew. Um, the only thing I knew is, okay, this is my opponent's name. This is where I sign, and this is the date I need to fight. So I was like, cool, I can do that, right? And I, I uh, went to that fight, and I just got manhandled, you know, just completely decimated. And it took so much out of me because I started fighting at 2011. Okay, so you Yeah, so I had my first fight like 2013 right so that's two years of just refining the skills that i thought um i had um learning as much as i can so when i got to that first fight i was like cool i'm i'm, I'm just gonna blow through everyone you know I've, I've been training for two years that's all i've been doing um what can go wrong and i lost that fight and it took so much out of me because i was like okay so i, I lost football um, I did all this training for MMA just to, to just to loot. And I fought for King of the Cage. Those are the, that's the same organization that uh, Rampage Jackson fought for. Um, I think Ron as, as an amateur or as a pro? As an amateur. That was my first time experiencing anything. The camera, the lights, the crowd, being in a cage with someone else that's, that's trying to hurt you. A lot of people talk about that feeling. Um, I wasn't prepared for any of that. I wasn't, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And so that, that was my first taste of MMA. And 
Second fight um, was an amateur level. Um, same thing. Went up against a hard, hard-nosed wrestler. Um, his name was Jordan or Joe Gigliotti, who fights up in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, at Power MMA. Well, it used to be Power MMA. But Bader is the owner of that gym and CB Dunaway uh, and a couple other guys. So I go from fighting the D1 prospect in, I think, Iowa. I think Jordan's from Iowa. So very first fight was him. And then the second, for the second fight, another badass. And so I lost that fight, too, by decision. So now I'm getting in my head because now I'm 0-2 as amateur. I don't know what it means. I, I don't know what that feeling is to win. And I'm so desperate to win. Um, I'm starting to I'm starting to eat away at myself. So like that little negative voice is like, okay, I lost another fight. Um, I really don't think MMA is for me. Like I I'm training hard. I'm eating good. I'm listening to my coaches. I'm doing everything that I possibly can to to win these fights. But it it just wasn't mixing. And so here comes the third fight. Um. This guy, is, his name was Wesley Pierce, another fighter in uh, Arizona. At the time, was the number one ranked 185er. So that's the way that I fight at is middleweight. Um, oh, okay. Lost to him by decision. So now I'm 0 for 3. So now I'm to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty much done with MMA. Like, it's, it's not making sense. Um, I'm an amateur. I don't even see myself turning pro. I was – I started pointing the finger – at coaches, I started pointing the finger at my gym. I started pointing my finger at myself. And um, a lot of other, like, life events were happening at the same time. And, and then same thing, that voice came back. Well, I gave up football. If I give up MMA, then what? You know, what, what, what do I go from there, you know? And um, the only thing that I knew that I had to keep doing was be resilient, was to, you know, wipe the tears off. Um, as much as I hated going back to the gym the next day and all my friends saying, hey, did you win your fight? What happened? You didn't post anything about it. Um, it, it just killed it. it I, I hated the sport so much, but for some reason, I was always back in the gym training again. And it got to the point where my, my mental and my physical body started to disconnect. So my body love to work out. I loved to, to push myself, but my mind was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I, I, I had to disconnect my mind from everything. And I was just kind of going on autopilot. So um, I was fortunate enough to find two people that changed my MMA career forever. And uh, that was Mercedes White and Anthony Burchek. And uh, Anthony Burchek is a guy who fought in Bellator, fought in the UFC, fought in Risen. He's, he's been there, done that kind of person. And they took me in under their wing. And um, they took me to their gym. And they, I had to, I had a, you know, I had like a little bit of weird trust issues from coaches because mm. you know, from the first three losses. And um, they would tell him like, oh, you know, we can do this. And I'm so used to the empty promises and the coaches telling me, oh, Dion, you just, just get one more fight in and this will be the one. And every time, every time I take that fight, it's always shortcomings. So I had to put a lot of trust in them. And I told myself like, if, if the fourth fight comes and, and, and 
and it's still not mixing or, and things are just not linking up, then maybe I need to take a step back and, you know, go back to college, um, do the route that, you know, my mom wants me to do and just become a, a doctor or a radiologist tech or whatever the case may be and just, just be done with that. Go home, work on the farm. The thing is, I, I didn't want to go back to the farm. I didn't want, I, I couldn't, like, I just, that once I got a taste of what, what was in the city and the opportunities that, that were offered to me, I just could not. And I couldn't have the body that I have now and just sit on the couch and just not, you know? So I was really just lost, you know, I was in a real weird, dark place. Like, you know, even, even my friends were, would, would give me comments like, when are you going to win? Or like, why do you keep losing? Like, wh what is it? And so, um, I lost a lot of a lot of people, a lot of friends because of that, because of like my my MMA career and people like, oh, I'm not gonna buy tickets because it seems like you never win. So like that's what was told to me as an amateur. And it's not like I had mentors, I had other people to talk to. Like there's I, I didn't I didn't trust in anyone, I didn't believe in anyone. So I was like, I'll just deal with the shit on my own. And yeah. um so once I found uh Burchek and Mercedes, they took me under their wing and they molded me into something that I never thought I would be. I knew, I, I've always known that I, I bring something different to the table. Um, but they, I had to take that leap of faith into their arms and all, they, they, they showed me that I needed to understand my worth. They showed me that I needed to understand um, what exactly I brought to the table. They, and they also needed, they also taught me to have confidence in myself um okay. i uh you always hear about the stories of people being street fighters and then they go to mma to stay out of trouble i was never a street fighter i was never an aggressive person at all um i was never into combat sports in general I, all i cared about was football and the only reason why i'm in mma is because I'm like well this is kind of like wrestling um kind of like football but now i get to punch and kick people so, <laughs> You know, that's, that's where, that's my whole uh, look on it was. And so they broke down my foundation. They built me back up, broke me back down again, built me back up. And they, um, I got a fight with them. And at the time we were training at a park. So we didn't even have an actual gym. So at that time I'm like, well, if, if I don't have a cage, how can I win? If I don't have a gym, how can I win? If I don't have a boxing coach with me, how can I win? So I, what I was used to, um, I didn't have anymore. So now my trust was, was absolutely being tested because I was like, well, how are these new people going to do all this? You know, like I've never been proven wrong. I've never been, I've never been, I've never, you know, I don't really know how to say it. Like I've never been, I don't really know. like I've never been proven wrong when I've when I've had these gut feelings like oh this these people can't help me these mm. people they don't know they just want me under their wing because they need fighters right so they just want me there because um, they just need someone to charge a membership fee for you know they just want me to help pay their electric bill so that's what was in my mind at the time and so sure enough uh, you know they came into my life and then and they you know they did all the reconstructing of my mental and my physical and they promised me that they would give me a fight so sure enough 
within two months of me training with them, they got me a fight and um, we were training out of a park and I just had all these nerves like, okay, I, I was getting to the point and I've heard fighters talk about this. When fighters get to the point where they're okay with losing, then that's when you know you need to quit. And so I was getting to that weird feeling like, hey, uh, like if I get hit wrong or if I get put in a submission, it's okay. I've lost before. Like I'm okay with losing, you know? Mm. And I had that thought process. It's like, okay, um, I, I have this new fight. I have these new coaches. Everything is new. But in the back of my head, I had so much weird PTSD from, from losing. Um, that's the first thing that came into my mind. I was going to step foot in the cage. I was going to look at my opponent, and I was just going to crumble, you know. And um, I used to watch uh, documentaries on Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield, the thoughts that they would think before they got into fights and how terrified they were. And that kind of helped, too. But, I mean, I can listen to motivational stuff all day, but it, it never – until you're actually in there – and you feel those weird emotions of your own mind going against you. You'll, you'll, it, it's weird, you know? So I had that fight. And sure enough, um, first bell rings. And as soon as we started, uh, you know, I'm squaring up in front of my opponent. And the first thing that I think about is losing. Like, I'm, nothing's wrong. I, I didn't fall. Uh, I didn't get hit or anything. As soon as we touched gloves, the first thing that I had in my mind was losing. and at that moment, I had to almost pause time in my mind. And I was like, okay, so to break away from these negative habits, to break away from these negative thoughts, I have to let go, you know? And they always tell you, you gotta let go of shit, you gotta get over things to move on. And so I did that. I put all my trust and faith in these two people. Um, and so I'm in that fight, I get a takedown, and then I get a submission. Right. So I win. Right. Nice. The amount, you're right. The amount of emotion that that I was feeling was was ridiculous. Like yeah. I I was like, okay, I found my sport. I know what I'm doing. This is what it feels like to win. And winning is is an, an addiction, right? It's an addiction thing. So once I got that first taste of blood, I was like, okay, so I can do this. Like it's not it's not me, it's it's a confidence thing. You know, like yeah. it's something else. It's yeah. something else like um, I, I just have to believe, you know, and, um, that was, uh, a guy named Alan Cater, who was from Texas, who comes from, I, I can't remember the academy, but it's uh, another big name gym. Um, and after I won that fight, I was just on this weird, like, not weird, but I was on this mental high, like I was untouchable. Right. So it's still amateur. So now I'm one and three. So then, um, they send me out to Vegas, right? And so that's like the fight capital of the world. And, um, you know, I'm still on this mental high, like I can do whatever I want. So then I fought another guy named Ryder Newman, who fights out at Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. Really big gym, a lot of big, big names uh, coming in and out of that gym, full of elite um, athletes. And um, I go out to Vegas and I, uh, I fight this guy named Ryder Newman. And what I fought for was Tough Enough, um, another huge, huge, huge amateur uh, organization on Las Vegas. Um, a lot of big names have come through there also. Um, and the event that I fought for was called Pack the Mac, and it's at the Thomas Mac Center 
in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, they throw UFC event style fights. So when you walk into the arena, the, 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 there's, the, there's the cage in the middle of the, of, the, of the court, and then there's just seats all the way to the ceiling, right? So once again, like I, I started thinking about these weird thoughts of losing, and I was like, why am I thinking like this? Like I just, I just came off a win. Um, I did a couple of jujitsu tournaments, won those. Um, so I'm, I'm, once again, I, I was just being tested and I was getting like these weird PTSD moments. And uh, fight day, I come in, well, they're about to announce my name and I come out and my music is playing, the camera's in my face. So now I'm used to it and that's the kind of person I am. Once I see something, once, um, you know, they always say like uh, the first time you do anything, it's always hard. Um, yeah. Second time gets a little bit easier. Third time is a little bit easier. So yep. that fight, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm four fights deep. What what? I'm telling myself there's nothing that I haven't seen that I've already been hit with before. Um, I lost a majority of my fights by decision. I lost one at the time by submission. So it's like okay. So now now I still have a little bit of a swagger about me. Now I'm just now I'm like okay. You know I can do this. The crowds isn't going to throw me off. The lights aren't going to throw me off. I get in the cage. Everything is fine. And then they call my opponent. I have never heard a crowd so loud since high school football, right? So this guy was a superhero. Like, he was the the town superhero of Las Vegas. And they called his name. um, And all I could just hear was just this loud roar. And that's the first time I fought in an arena like that. And that's what killed me is knowing and that I felt so lost. I felt so distant. I felt like, like I was out there by myself, you know, like I had people that were there. I had people that were supporting me, um, um, but nowhere near to the point of what this guy had. And so once again, I was tested. I was like, MMA is, is, is full of so many things, the weight cut, um, the fight camp, managing life. Um, I don't have kids, but there's fighter out there that have kids, balancing that, balancing your spouse, uh, dealing with the, the, your friends asking you about your fight. You can't sleep. Um, the hunger pains. You're stressed about your weight. Um, you're thinking about getting knocked out and you get your arms snapped off and your knees bent inward. These are all things that at least I think about. Um, I can't well, speak for anyone right else. Yeah, right. So I'm thinking about everything negatively possibly happening to me. So, so the fight starts, and um, and we're we're evenly matched. Like we're going back and forth. Um, and then he gets a, a I throw a kick, right? Because it was just like a panic kick. Now that I look at it, so um, I threw a random right kick, fell. I tried to shoot back up, and then he he snatched in a quick uh, rear naked choke. That was the end of the fight, right? So now I am one and four. And same thing, all those thoughts came back to me because now I'm like, and even then I've never had sponsorships before until I went out to Vegas. So that was weird too, because I'm like, okay, so people are sending me stuff because they want to see me fight. And I almost feel like I'm doing them a disservice if they're going to send me clothes and send me training gear and send me all these different products just to go out there and lose. You know, so it's like, who's going to sponsor me now? You know, like I was, I was having thoughts like that. Like no one wants to, I've already heard my fans or my friends tell me that they're not going to buy tickets because 
I lose too much. You know, it's like, wow, that's, like that's a, and those people are no longer in my life. Yeah, those people are no longer uh, in my life, you know, thank <laughs> God. But, like, these are things that, that I was told. These are things that stuck with me. And so I lost that fight. And then um, after that fight, I, I just went on not like a depressive state, but I was just like, okay, so I've lost again, one win, four losses. And I'm like, okay, so do I continue fighting? Because like my resilience, my resiliency has already been tested a couple times. And I know that same thing, just as long as I keep showing up, eventually I'm going to hit that jackpot. And um, so I, I went back to Arizona and I just kept training. And then sure enough, they're like, you know what? Let's get you another fight in the Pac the Mac arena in Las Vegas, same place, same time, same date next year. Sure enough, that happened. And I fought a dude named Chris Ruffin, who was another highly uh, or highly uh, active uh, fighter too in Las Vegas and still is competing to this point. Um, so I fought him and something was different about this point. Now I spent a lot of time training my mind and less time, you know, training my body. I knew my body could last forever, but you know, what good is the car if you have a terrible driver, you know? Yeah. So I, I spent a lot of time working on my mental and I had another fight. So this is my, my fifth one. Yeah. Fifth one. And this fight was different because I didn't have those negative thoughts anymore. I didn't have those thoughts about losing. Um, I was up in Vegas training with Brad Tavares, who was a, a UFC 185er. Uh, okay. Tough as nails. Um, another training partner is Ty Gearder, who is another 185er who just won um, his fight in LFA. Um, he's got three knockouts. Um, I was fortunate enough to go train with him at the UFCPI building, uh, along with a couple other, like Miles Hunsinger is another guy I trained with, uh, Ryder Newman, my past opponent. I trained with a little bit with him. Um, and that's something that's new to me. I've never trained with, a, with an opponent or a past opponent. Mm. And to see that and to train with these big-name people, uh, the first person I ever sparred with in Las Vegas was Uriah Hall. Wow. Yeah, yeah so I was like – you know, I wear glasses. I can't, I can't see anything without. And I just remember seeing um, another guy wearing black, uh, black uh, Under Armour top and black shorts wearing UFC gloves. I was like, okay, maybe it's just a guy that's just wearing the UFC gear just because he wants to wear it. But then I get closer, and sure enough, my manager, Mercedes White, was like, you know who you're about to spar? And I was like, no. And she was like, well, you're about to spar Uriah Hall. And Uriah Hall, he had a fight coming up, too. So he was fight camp Uriah Hall. And sure enough, he started doing, like, his little twitchy backspin uh, heel kick stuff to me. And I was like, okay, like, this, this shit's crazy. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, uh, I never saw myself as an amateur. I never believed that I was an amateur. I just knew that I was taking amateur fights. You know, like, I just knew that that was the division that I was in. Um, but once I started sparring with, with these big, big name guys. Um, then it gave me a weird self-confidence. So I was like, okay, so I, I am the most dangerous person, you know, 
in the in the ring you know like my opponents have are, are nothing compared to me so i had to keep telling myself that because of okay. you know all the other stuff in the past i had to go through and so once i started training with those guys and i was doing good and i could see where i was at i came back to uh to arizona and i just had like this whole new thought process thought process on life i had this whole 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 new look with mma i was like okay i know where i'm at and i'm hanging with the ufc guys you know like i'm not getting blown out the water i'm neck and neck with these guys and so um they take care of me they take care of me up in 10 planet las vegas that's another gym that i train out of and that's the gym that i am currently uh fighting out of is 10 planet um tucson and uh, okay yeah so I'll go up to Tim Plan Las Vegas. I'll train with Casey um, Halstead, who is um, my head coach's uh, head coach. Um, and even then, I was going up there and I was rolling with Uriah Hall. Probably the hardest rolls I've ever had was uh, I was rolling with Khabib's uh, one of his brothers. Oh wow! Yeah, up in uh, at the UFC PI. And even then, I was like, okay, like sometimes you gotta throw yourself to the wolves just to see like you know where you're at yeah yeah but the thing is i i didn't know how much i was worth i didn't know what i brought to the table and i didn't know where i was at because i was losing you know like i didn't understand like i didn't get that taste of you know this is where you could be but this is where you're at so like it was it was smoking mirrors for me and so when i went up to vegas it really changed me as a fighter and with the confidence um so then I had that fight in Vegas, and I won that fight in 30 seconds. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so do you think that maybe it was just a time factor, like you just needed that amount of time between that fight and the other fights just to get your skill level up, perhaps? I think – I think. Or do you honestly, think it was all mental? I think it was 100% mental. I think that – if I, I'm so glad that I lost to Jordan Johnson, Joe, Wesley Pierce, Ryan, Ryder Newman, because those guys are still tearing up shit now. So I always tell myself, I've already fought the best, at least in my weight class. Yeah. Um, of course, there's people in, in um, the UFC that I haven't met. You know, there's people fighting all over the world that I haven't met yet. But I, at least for me, it i really now like if i could redo the redo all those fights I'm, they would i feel like it would be such a huge difference in yeah. in the way but the thing is i had to lose now that i think about that like that was my destiny like i had to see the best test myself rebuild myself um go to vegas change my whole thought thought process about myself yeah to the to the person i am today so how'd you do after you won that other fight? Did you have a couple more fights after that one? Yeah. So, so what I did before that last fight in Vegas, I was bored and I signed up for a Muay Thai um, fight, and I uh, I won that fight by TKO in forty seconds, um, and that was up in phoenix and they gave me a belt so i got a that after that little break and then that's what my manager does she she signs me up for jujitsu tournaments then muay thai then mma and then back to jujitsu so like those three different revenues are are 
or, or avenues is what um, I'm in still to this point. So yeah, I do believe it was 100% mental. And I just, I just had to get a taste of what I could be. And then I fell in love with it more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of remind me of, uh, but the guy's not an MMA fighter. You ever hear of a jujitsu? Cause you're, you do jujitsu tournaments for, uh, Keenan Cornelius. He's a top, level, top. He's like one of the top world jujitsu players in the world. Like he's been on the top, yeah. uh, since, I don't know, five or six years. And he had the same thing. Like he never won a tournament until he became a purple belt. And then like, mm. uh, he went, he found a nice place to train in Baltimore. And then he did what no one else ever did. He won four major tournaments in the same year as a purple belt. The world's, uh, I think the Europeans and the Pan Ams and the Brazilian nationals are really at purple belt. And ever since then, he's been on top. You know? I think the people that are thrown through the ringer and still get up, I think that's like some people have to do that. You know, yeah. some people do it their first time, and right from the get-go, it's just straight to the top. But then yeah. there's those guys that literally just have to get torn to shreds, put themselves back together, and then there's just this whole new beast. Yeah. You know? But even in high school wrestling, I lost every match in high school until my senior year, and then I went to state. Oh, wow. Yeah, see. Yeah. So, so I, I think that that's just me, I guess. I just I just have to <laughs> I have to taste all the the worst sides of everything before I can get to the the sweet stuff. Yeah. And you got you got to keep your uh to look at it from a different point of view. A lot of MMA fighters they don't have a perfect record, man. No. Even the guys that make it to the UFC championship level, you know, they'll have like Let's say seventeen wins. They may have ten losses. You know, mm. no one really. Not everybody's like Habib. You know, yeah, exactly. Twenty, exactly. Know, whatever the hell he is. But you know, everybody. You know, it just sucks that you had to go through all that. Lose, lose, right. lose, win, lose, lose. You know, mm. same thing happened to me. You know, when I used to do jiu-jitsu tournaments, I'd win a couple, lose a couple, and then, you know, that's just the way it is. But uh, not everybody's got that. I'm, I was never like had that mentality like where I'm super athletic. I always had to work. Right. Yeah. So it is, it is very uh, mental. Now, do you think the big difference between your first training camp, the uh, first set of trainers and your second set is because is that they helped you with the mental aspect or was there other stuff involved, like the physical aspect of training? Um, learning how to take care of my body. Act, um, helped a ton too because I've always seen myself as a uh, as a workhorse and I couldn't get the best training because I was always you know like I had little dings there and little pains and strains and jammed this and twisted that so learning how to recover properly um, and take care of myself properly um, also helped a ton and then just and then just the way that those guys took care of me and they they, they pulled me in um there was no big ego testing because you know um a lot of gyms will see bigger guys and then they'll assume that these guys are just headhunters right like it's it's a thing like you you see the biggest the biggest guy in the gym he must be an animal you know and so as me being that big guy in the gym um i was a chew toy also 
um, in the beginning of my uh, MMA career. I was a chew toy for a lot of the guys that were already in the UFC. So like Chad Griggs, um, uh, who fought in Tucson. That's uh, one of the guys that I looked up to because he was a big guy and he fought. Um, another one of my training partners was uh, Joey Yeager, another guy who fought in the Bellator. Um, Ed West, um, another guy who fought in the UFC. George Roop, another guy that fought in the UFC. So those are the guys that I, when I first started, those are the guys that I tried to throw myself into and I learned, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm nowhere near those guys level and but in my head you know no one didn't say hey Dion um you can spar with these guys you can train with these guys but don't take it to heart because they're way more advanced than you you know like they have experience on you but at the time I was like damn why can't I keep up with George Roop who is a hundred and maybe 56 pounds on a good day when he's fighting and here I am 275 pounds and I'm getting thrashed by this guy so I'm like I don't understand. I don't get it. So, yeah, definitely those guys in Las Vegas pulling me in, putting me under their wing, and um, showing me what I can and cannot and cannot do. And and the problem is uh, is having training partners. So all the guys that I trained with in Vegas are around my size, and they're all at they're all destined or on the way or already in the UFC. Um, mm. So knowing that, you know, that's my breed. Um, I always thought of myself as, as a wolf, a wolf surrounded by sheep, especially in my early days. Um, but now that I'm surrounded by other people, we all have the same mindset. And, you, and there's that saying that where they tell you, you know, to surround yourself around the people who you ultimately want to be. And so I got a taste of that. And I thought I loved MMA and now, now I'm head over heels for yeah. Yeah. And there's also that saying, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. You see, there is that. And, um, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, that's all I was doing is getting sharpened. But I was never, I was never, you know, reaping the rewards of going through all that. Um, but yeah. Um, even, and on top of that, uh, so a bunch of like good stuff started flowing in after I won that last fight in Vegas. Um, I had another fight uh, for M1 Global, and those are the guys. I don't know if you've seen they uh, they're Russian based, but uh, they have the knights that fight in, uh, in an armor in the in the cage, and sometimes oh, okay. they'll throw like three on three MMA fights. They do weird stuff like that. Um, not in the United States, but. Uh, back over there and so i signed up for a, my first pro fight um but earlier this year in april for them and um same thing i got all these sponsorships and now they're paying me more money um so that kind of came into play because i was like okay now now they're paying me money that i'm already kind of spending because you know it's like cool you give me a hundred dollars here i'm going straight to the grocery store and i'm getting whatever i want you know like yeah um, so all that money was was give it was given to me, and I, it kind of freaked me out, you know, because I was like, you know, I like I don't want to fight, I don't want to do this. Like, you know, I signed the contract, I'll fight for that money, but if you're gonna pay me anything on the side, I mean, please just don't, because I already have enough nerves going on as it is. And so, I uh, I had that fight in April, and um, same thing, 
same thought process. Uh, I started cornering some fighters. I have some fighters under my belt now. Um, seeing the other side of the uh, of the cage also helped a ton with my MMA career. Um, I was always the guy on the inside of the cage, so I never I never experienced watching someone you train with, someone that you care deeply about, go in there and potentially hurt themselves. You know, so that was like a weird feeling for me. But I went out there in April, same thing, same mindset. Went to Vegas, uh, hung out with the boys, trained with all the Hawaiians and Russians, and came back to uh, Arizona, fought for M1, and I won that fight minute 30 seconds uh, for Kimura. And I was like, oh, okay. So, see, it um, seems like when you win, you win fast, right? Oh, yeah. See, that's kind of fighter I am. Uh, I, I, I view myself as a pressure fighter, but I just want to do my business, get in and get out. You know, like I've had all these long, long fights as an amateur, and now I'm just like, okay, I just want to cut to the cut to the, the point, uh, get in there. If you're not going to give me a submission, then I'm just going to try to decimate you and, and drown you from there on until something gives. But I'm not a, a slow cooker kind of fighter. I've never been wrestling. I've never been football. Never been, football is not really a slow sport either. But, yeah, so when I win, it's, it's, it's fast. It's quick. And do you have any uh, other fights coming up? I don't have any fights coming up right now. Uh, I'm actually – I have a jiu-jitsu um, fight coming up uh, November 23rd uh, here in Arizona for a 205 belt. Oh, uh, is it submission only? Like uh, submission only? Sub, sub? Uh, I think – I don't think it's sub only. Um, I've done a couple sub onlys, and I, and I think I favor those more than the – the uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments where I can go to decision. Um, I like that whole uh, thought process on I have to finish this guy. Otherwise, um, how you, I, I like knowing that the only way you can get out of, of a fight is is submitting someone because mm. then you're both trying to go for stuff. Like it's, it's yeah. And I so like this fights one. Where, this one's for uh, some type of grappling belt, but there's points involved then. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. You yes. follow IBJF rules, or or you no, follow yeah. the no gi? Yeah, no gi. I, I I could never do gi, never. <laughs> I've, I've tried it. Um, I tried it one time. I never put on a gi since since then. So, <laughs> I. But yeah, this will be no gi. Um, the rule set is, I want to say it's just like IB, IBJJF. Um, okay. It's, oh. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You still there? CQP Moments Podcast, and you're listening to Mark the Shark MMA Show.
All right, guys, this is Mark the Shark, and I got some great news. If you subscribe to my email list on my website, I will email you a promo code that will allow you to save 20% on any MMA gear or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gear put out by Hypnotic. All you have to do is go to www.markthesharkmmashow.com, and that is Mark with a C and not a K, and subscribe to my email list. Go ahead and subscribe today. All right, guys, we're back on the show. Uh, we had a little technical mishap, but we're back on. I got uh, Dion's big smash clash back in the Shark Tank here on the show. And uh, he was going over his experiences uh, as he started out as an MMA fighter and how he conquered um, his self-doubt. And now he's like on a big winning streak. And um, give us a little bit more information on that. Because you got an upcoming grappling match. You're fighting for some kind of belt, I believe you said? Yeah, the Rise of the Prospects uh, 205 um, championship belt here in uh, okay. Tucson. Where is it? In Tucson, Arizona. It's, uh, it's based in Tucson. It's uh, Chris Cariasso, uh, another dude who fought in the UFC. That's his little organization that he throws uh, uh, here in Tucson. Ah. Is it going to be streamed on the internet at all, or? I don't believe so. Um, usually, uh, one of my uh, coaches will stream my events uh, live straight to my uh, Facebook uh, fight page. Oh, okay. It'll be streamed on my page. Ah, oh, yeah. When you when you and when when is that event? November twenty third. Oh, you got to hit me up with that link, man. When you get that, when you put it on your Facebook, so I can. We'll send it out to everybody, you know. I can put it on my Facebook page too. Yeah. So you currently do not have any big uh, fights. It's just this one grappling match. Yeah. And, um, do you, if you win, do you get? I'm assuming you get a belt, but do you get any cash prize at all? Or um, I think there is. Uh, it's off of ticket sales, and I think there's like maybe like a little two hundred dollar bonus um, with the win. Um, and then you get a belt. Too. Oh, okay, that's great. That's great belt. Yeah. So when you and what do you plan to do after that? Are you going to do another tie match because you won a belt? In that? So the next goal is to get another um, MMA fight before the end of the year. If not, it'd be the first thing um, in the beginning of 2020. Um, after this. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to keep training hard and all that. Yeah, yeah. You, know, just, you know, switching up the avenues, like I, like I was saying earlier, uh, like I bounced from jiu-jitsu to Muay Thai to MMA, back to jiu-jitsu. Um, there's actually a little thing that my, my gym is throwing together as a five-man team that uh, a lot of the schools are doing. Um, it's an accumulative of 800 pounds. Um, so you can have up to five members. You just can't exceed that 800-pound limit. And, okay. Uh, that's something that I'm also in the hat for um, in another jujitsu thing. Um, oh, so I forget the, it's going to be like a five, like a team, and you compete against another team? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Gordon, 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 something like that in Europe not too long ago. I forget what the event was called. Yeah. Uh, he fought for a Raya Faber's team. <laughs> yeah. 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 
I just can't yeah. think of the name of the event. Um, they got so uh, many, so many events going on now. Yeah, the the first time I actually heard about it was last year. Sarah McMahon was on a team. Uh, well, she was on Tenth Planet, I believe, and she went up against um, another gym in Japan. And uh, that's when my coach was like, "Yeah, they're they're trying to do these five on five uh, like wrestling meets." kind of tournaments and I was like okay and then they were telling me about like you can't exceed 800 pounds and I was like okay that's cool because you can have two guys that make up most of the weight and then you have you can have the the smaller guy so you can be strategic with who you put on your team um the last one I watched uh what's his name Gordon uh Ryan yeah and he just manhandled a team by himself so I know I know it's, it's like yeah, I think that it's, was the one he beat Josh Barnett in with a triangle show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that guy is no slouch, man. That's a big Not at all. wrap yeah. your legs around, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna be watching I think the ADCCs are coming around the corner. Are you gonna be watching that at all or? Uh I might. Um I'm not too I'm not too into watching ADCC um those matches for some reason. Um Weirdly about it, I like to follow kickboxing in glory. Oh, uh, yeah. I used to follow kickboxing years ago. Yeah. Yeah, more interesting. Never, never did a kickboxing match, but yeah, you know, it, it just interests me to watch. Um, but like I said, I also like to watch no-gi, too. Can't do gi, worth a damn, but no-gi stuff I'll, I'll watch all day. <laughs> I think you could do the gi, you just don't like it, you know. I think I could too, but um, I was just so lost in the sauce. With the the grips are different, the positioning is different, the timing is different. Um, it, it's it, the no gi world compared to the gi world. I, I some people may say differently, but I think it's two completely different universes. You know, the, you know they're similar in very very small ways. But other than that, um, gi is a, a different breed of, of hand strength, grips. Yeah, yeah, you have. Yeah, so um, it was funny because the, the first gi class I ever took, I only wore the, the jacket. I didn't wear the pants. And I was still I having, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I still had a ridiculous time trying to. White belts. I was a white belt at the time, but I still had, I came back, I had a, you know, the wrestling background, the football background, and I was an amateur fighter. So I thought I had more than enough. Um, clearly did not at all. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I find it weird that some people are like really, like they just love gi and they can't stand a no gi. And then you get guys that just love no gi and they can't stand the gi. I, I kind of like both. I like both. Yeah. It's like, do you like beer or do you like hard liquor? It's like, yeah, for fun. Eventually, I mean, it's just your taste. Like, what, what, what draws you into it? And um, I think if I was introduced to gi first, um, when I, when I, my early, early days, I think I would have uh, had more of a liking to it. Yeah. But the first thing that was thrown in my face was just no gi stuff. So mm. I just took after that. Mm. Now, in terms of, I'm assuming you watch uh, professional MMA fights, though. Yeah. Like, you know, like yeah. the UFC and stuff like that. 
And um, which work is yeah, do you follow more to UFC than Bellator or do you watch the PFL or what do you prefer? I've been I've been heavy with with PFL. Okay. Um, UFC and PFL, the the two ones that I watch predominantly. Um, I'm also on Bellator, but PFL um, is probably my favorite to watch because, like I was saying, with the sub only, um, you got two guys that know the only way you can get out is if you finish. And yeah. I like how the PFL is set up as well. If you want to win or you want to get those points to advance, you have to finish. You know, you can – and there's decision fights and you get like one or two points depending on how the fight went. But um, at least from what I've seen is three is, is the – the largest amount of points that you can get off of a finish. So you have two guys that are just trying to go balls to the wall, just want to get that finish so they can advance to the to the tournament. Of course, the one million dollar payout is is there too. So have you thought about trying to get into that, like maybe next year or the year after? I uh, was looking. There's, some, at, there's experienced guys on there, but some of some of the guys are like I don't know, and you know they didn't have didn't seem to have too many fights on. I uh, was confused not too long ago, a couple months ago, actually. I was confused that Bellator would only sign uh, seasoned pros. You know, I understand. And I'm a brand making new pro, and I understand that there's levels to it. But um, I, at least what I was, what I had in my mind is Bellator only signed seasoned professionals, right? Um, and even in the UFC, you'll see their UFC record. And then you'll see their MMA record, which is huge, right? So same thing. I was like, okay, the UFC only signs seasoned pros. Or you go to the Dana White Contender Series and um, win that too. Um, the PFL is another one I thought, okay, well, maybe these guys just have huge professional records. And I, I see the PFL as UFC athletes, but they're just in the PFL. You know, they're just yeah. in a different federation. But that wasn't the case at all. Um, Bellator signs brand spanking new pros. Um, Risen uh, signs brand spanking new pros. PFL has brand spanking new pros. And that's something that I didn't think that I could um, get onto unless I built my uh, resume a little bit more. But now that I know that, um, that is something I definitely wanted to, to um, pursue. Either... Yeah. The UFC, you know, just because it's the UFC, but PFL predominantly because um, a lot of those guys I train with up in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I would think, you know, that that big payout would be a big motivating factor. Even if you win, the, you know, let's say you got into the UFC and you won mm -hmm. the belt, you know, within two mm -hmm. years. When you fight for that belt, you're not getting a million dollars. Exactly. You know, exactly. I, mean? now, I don't know exactly. how much they pay the guys that are like the runner up. I'm assuming they get paid even if they're not getting to the So, so the, P the PFL, um, to my understanding, you, you sign to the PFL and then you get a monthly check. So even uh, though you're not fighting, you're still getting paid as if it was a full time job. Uh, versus the USC, I mean, you can still make money off of endorsements and sponsorships and showings and trainings here and there but um at least in anyone that i've known that's in the ufc doesn't receive a monthly you know thank you for signing to the ufc here's a wellness check um, yeah. um so that's another thing that i liked with pfls because you know i didn't want to be the guy that had to fight every month 
just to, you know, put food on the table. Um, yeah. I didn't want to be the guy that just had to fight just because I was low on money. Um, I liked that they had a season, but you would fight maybe once or twice a season. So out of that 12 month span, you're still getting paid every month. Yeah. So, um, and of course, I mean, I can make, if they pay me $2,300, then for sure you can make that stretch, you know, depending on how you are. But like, like you said, you fight for a belt, you take $70,000 home, you got to pay $20,000 worth of fees then you got $30,000 worth of bills and whatever the case may be. And really you're not getting that much money and you're the champion. Yeah. You know? yeah. So there's, there's Conor McGregor champions and then there's Demetrius Johnson uh, champions, you know, yeah. the money is, it's super different, you know? So um, that's another thing that I hear is um, all the money is overseas when it comes to MMA. Yeah. Um, that I've learned at least, but yeah. Yeah. Now who, who like, do you aspire to be like, that's like a professional MMA fighter? Uh, you like, remember, yeah, uh, I have a couple, uh, Matt Hughes, mm -hmm. um, I've always favored gray Maynard. I always favored, um, Anthony Burchek, my head coach, I favored, um, Tyron Woodley. I liked, um, of course, Khabib in his grindy style. But if, if there's someone that I try to emulate in my own game, it would probably be Tyron Woodley in a mix between him and uh, Tyron Spong, who is a wow. uh, K1 back in the day with Overeem and stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Now, uh, what are your thoughts about uh, Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal? that's coming up um, I can't wait for that one yeah I uh I if I had to pick right now um I would definitely probably put my money on Nate yeah I have I have some weird feeling that uh as durable he, as he is and even in that last fight he was getting hit a couple times I was like okay this might be this might be it for Nate but he, he still came back. Uh, he did it with Conor McGregor. Um, I believe that he won both of those, those fights too. But um, if I had to put my money on it, I'd put Nate. But I would love to watch Jorge Masvidal win, for sure. Yeah, he's a, he's I really a great want, Yeah, I, I really don't want either one of them to lose because, you know, I like them both. And I really don't like that uh, they're fighting each other, I, you know. But, you know, they're two, they're two badasses and they're two superheroes in my yeah and the thing about them is they're not you know they got mutual respect but they're not on the same team and yeah. then um are you watching the, U the ufc tonight with stevens no who's fighting tonight uh well the head card is stevens versus yeah rodriguez and then you got carla esparza versus alexa grasso so, I have Carla, and then I would go with Yair Rodriguez. Yeah. Between those two, yeah. Yeah. Carla's a heavy, heavy wrestler, and she's 10th playing, or used to be one of the. I don't know what what she is now, but um, and then uh, Rodriguez, um, his dynamic's so weird. 
and accurate at the same yeah. time. Um, and then with Jeremy Stevens, um, so I like these guys. Like I like their style, and and I like the guys that come forward, like a Justin Gaethje. Um, I like guys that are elusive, like uh, Izzy. Um, so it's it's hard for me to pick between those two, because. But I mean, yeah, definitely Yair though. Definitely Yair. Mm. I like his style a lot more. So. Yeah, he's a very unique, you know, very unique style. Very uh, orthodox. When he got that like weird ass elbow. Yeah. On, uh, was it I don't, Korean Zombie? I think. Yeah. 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 It's like well. And he was like, yeah, I was training that in the gym. And I was like, where, who at what moment was like, hey, in your next fight, I want you to do this. I want you to roll your head down to your opponent's crotch and then throw your elbow straight to the sky. That's what we're going <laughs> to do. You know, like, I just, don't, I just don't understand where and why that would be a thing to throw. But yeah, yeah. in MMA, so, I mean, you can – I guess you could literally land everything. And he's evolving. The sport's evolving. So maybe yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Or you could do, like, the whole right out the gate flying knee from across the, 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 the cage, like Masvidal. I mean, that's a thing, too. So, um, yeah. You, you, see, you see fighters make up a move, and then you see a lot of other people try to emulate. Like yeah. Conor McGregor, the wide stance, and it's almost like a – like a karate hop, like coming forward and, and backwards. Um, yeah. You see a lot of people try to emulate that now. Uh, yeah. With the linear kicks and um, walking out with your hands straight out like a John Jones style, you see people try to emulate that too. Um, so, I mean, it, it's cool to see these trendsetters of, of attacks in MMA. Yeah. Wow. Now, you, when, you, when you fight, are you more like a – Take the type like a ground and pound type guy, or more of like a striker. I think it's ground and pound. Yeah, I always tell myself that every every fight I go into, I always tell myself I'm just gonna let my hands go. Um, I'm gonna show off my striking. Um, every <laughs> fight I get into, it gets I throw it out the window and I go straight to just heavy um, takedowns. Um, heavy ground and pound, and I look for submissions. And that's what my coach. That's all we really train on too is when I get someone to a position that I want to be in then I just capitalize on all their mistakes um mm. striking I mean I I think I'm, I'm real honest with myself my striking um at least from my eyes um I think I could improve so much more obviously uh the groundwork is my my strength but I've always wanted to be like a leveled fighter um I didn't want to be just like a strictly um, ground kind of guy. And then when the fight is standing, I'm just, you know, stuck in mud. Yeah. Um, but at least I, um, what I've been told from training partners and stuff that my striking is, is good. But I know that where my striking is and, you know, I, I like to size myself up with people that are at the top because eventually that's where I want to be. Mm. So um, definitely I'm a, a ground and pound kind of guy, but I'm always looking for submission. So even when I do get a takedown, I'm not going to spend much time just trying to beat people up. I'm just trying to snap arms off and take yeah. something. From them. Yeah. You know? 
and you're doing all these different type of combat uh, you know, events like the jiu-jitsu, high boxing, and MMA. Have you thought about doing like any like Golden Glove competitions where it's just strictly boxing or? Uh, I've had some talk with coaches about doing a kickboxing. Um, like American style or like Thai boxing? Uh, Thai boxing. Okay. Um, but it, it's kind of weird for me because when I, I like doing those different sports, but then I, if, when, I, when I do a Muay Thai fight or a, or a kickboxing fight, um, I go into my MMA fight thinking that I'm a stand-up guy because that's just what I did re- last, you know? So I'll find myself wanting to stand up more and then I'll try to abandon my wrestling, you know, the stuff that got me there. And um, so as much as I like switching from sports to sport, um, jiu-jitsu and MMA mesh well. Jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai do not. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's where I'm at right now is, okay, I could go do a Muay Thai fight and then go sign up for an MMA fight in three months. And now all of a sudden I think I'm this world-class Muay Thai fighter and I've never wrestled a day in my life. And that kind of messes with me in MMA. Uh, me personally, um, so, you know, I just, I, I'd, I'd rather want to stay in MMA and only do things that are going to complement that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the Muay Thai stuff and the stand-up stuff is usually things that I'll do, um, if I'm bored or if I'm just like, you know what, I just want to see where my stand-up is with someone else and or i just want to get my my hands warmed up i'll do stuff like that Mm. um but i definitely don't like to stay in kickboxing for a long period of time and then switch it up at the last second for an mma fight it's either one or the other like the whole year i'll devote to jiu-jitsu the next year i'll devote to uh, mma now do you um currently have sponsors now that you like to mention on the show here or yeah i have a knowledge tribe who is one of my uh, clothing brands based out in California, uh, Fightback CBD, um, Austin, Texas. They uh, keep me all uh, healed up, especially in between fight camps. And I'm currently taking CBD daily. Um, helps with all the, the whatever brain trauma that I may have or don't have, the joints, the, the dings, the bruises, the cuts, it all helps with that. And then I have Oral IV is another sponsor here. And then I have Garden of Life. Um, oh, okay. And they send me all their supplements. And, things of that nature. I also have another sponsor, uh, War Tribe, who is uh, predominantly gi, but uh, they also have a lot of rash guard stuff, no gi stuff, so they keep me with the... the yeah, that, that sounds familiar, that brand, actually. Uh, Mackenzie Dern is their... Uh, is their... Um, big, big girl. So ah, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you're currently still looking for more sponsors, obviously, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you market yourself? How do like, people get in touch with you? They get in touch with you with your Facebook page or do you got a website they set can, up? Yeah, they can either go to Facebook, type in Dion uh, Big Smash Clash, and you'll see my fight page. I'm also on Instagram, and it's just Dion Big Smash Clash. Um, and that's about it. Those are my two uh, social medias that I use heavily. Okay, that's good. And then you said you got people that you train now as well, right? Yeah, I have a couple of amateur fighters. 
As, do any of them have any upcoming matches that you like to let everybody know about? Um, I have uh, one of my 145ers, Marcos Gallegos, who has a fight November 11th for Tough Enough out in Las okay. Vegas. And then I have another fighter, Andrew Slater, who is a, one, of my, one of the purple belts here, who will also be fighting out in Tough Enough same day. Okay, that's great. That's great. And what I like about, like, the interview that we have is, like, you were, like, telling everybody, like, your frustrations. Oh, yeah. You know, like, the mental challenges. And I think that's kind of good for everyone out there. Like, if there's any other MMA fighters that are just getting started for them to, to hear how you went through that and how you conquered it. And now you're, you know, it seems like you're on, on a win streak. I think that's kind of, like, inspirational, you know. I think yeah. that's, that's very good. I think you should be proud of yourself because now people can say, all right, you know, if I go in and I lose, what do I do? You know, mm -hmm. not everybody has that resiliency to come back and right. keep trying and trying and trying like you do. You know, because right. I, I think that everything is all mental. And I think mm. that is the one thing that I think the martial arts can give a person is that right. confidence, you know, and then teach them how to be resilient and to keep marching forward. And then that, you know, in my opinion, that helps people translate not just on a mat or in a cage, but in, in their, in their own personal life. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. You need loss. If you don't lose, you'll never evolve. Um, yeah. And that, that's, that's just how it is. I mean, winning is nice. Um, Anderson Silva said it the best. When I win, I win, but when I lose, I don't. You know, at least when I win, I don't lose. I don't learn anything. You just know what what got you that win. That's not going to push you to the next fight because now people are training against that. However, you won. There's someone watching you, and they're making a blueprint to ultimately defeat you. So when you lose, yep. you learn things that okay, maybe I won't do this next time, and now you're better prepared for the next one. Yeah. Yeah, so, so for everybody who's out there listening, I mean, you can learn a lot from Dion. I mean, you are, I think, in my opinion, they should be looking up to someone like you as to, you know, someone mm -hmm. like Conor McGregor. I mean, you know, everybody, like, says, oh, I want to be, like, this star or that star. I think you got you, – you, you have a real interesting story. I think it's, it's mm -hmm. been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Thank <laughs> and you. talking about it. And then hopefully we get to have you again, like in the future, like maybe like, maybe like, you know, a couple of weeks before your next MMA fight, definitely sure. send me the link to after you have that grappling match. I like that. Okay. I like to watch that and put okay. that on my Facebook page. And then, you know, it was great having you. I hope to see you again. Um, everybody, um, we'll be back after the short break, but Dion, it was great having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Hey, what's up, world? This is Will, and you are about to listen to the Mark the Shark MMA show. Enjoy the show. All right, guys, I'm giving a shout-out to all those people who live in Passaic County, New Jersey. If you're looking for a good jiu-jitsu school, check out Rise Up Jiu-Jitsu. They're located right in Clifton, and you can give them a call 
at 973-460-1402. And if you use the promo code MarkTheSharkMMAShow, the instructor will give you a 10% discount off the school's tuition fee. Again, that's Rise Up Jiu-Jitsu. Check it out. Hey fans, here at Podcast City Network, we have a lot of great shows on all of our great social media outlets, podcastcity.net. Facebook.com slash Podcast City Network. Hit that thumbs up. You can send a tweet to Podcast City Network on Twitter at Podcast City Net. Only on Podcast City Network. Hi, everyone. I just want to let you know that both me and my daughter have new books out. My daughter's book is called A Little Bit Louder, which is the second book in the Invisible Girl series. And my new book is a vampire fantasy book series called The Dark World Chronicles. And the first book in the series is called Marcus the Vampire. You can check them both out at www.retortofamilybooks.com or amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Are you looking for your next action thriller novel? Check out The Cabal. The saga begins. You can find it on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com or www.RetortoFamilyBooks.com That's R-I-T-O-R-T-L FamilyBooks.com Again, check out the next great action thriller suspense book called The Cabal. The saga begins. Hi, this is Mark the Shark Retorto. This is a message to all the parents out there. Are you looking for an inspirational book for your child to read? Well, check out a book written by a child, an 11-year-old little girl by the name of Christina Retorto. She has two books. One is called Invisible Girl, and one is called I Am a Survivor. Both inspirational books written by a child for a child. You can find them at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com, as well as her website, www.RetortoFamilyBooks.com. Again, that's R-I-T-O-R-T-L. Are you a fan of the Mark the Shark MMA show? Are you looking for some swag? Check us out on the web at www.marktheshark.mmashow.com where we sell t-shirts, hoodies, crop tops, hats, beanie hats, anything you want. Check it out. Are you also looking to become a guest on the show and be interviewed by me, Mark the Shark Retorto? Well, go to the website and sign up as a guest. Are you looking to become a sponsor? Go to the website, sign up, take advantage of the wild range growth of the sport of MMA and be, have your business and service advertised to millions of listeners that listen to this podcast every week, worldwide, from everywhere. Check it out, www.MarkTheSharkMMAShow.com. All right, guys, we're at the end of our show. This is Mark Retorto. I'm signing off. 
And don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page. It's called The Mark the Shark MMA Show. And it's Mark with a C, not a K. And also, feel free to leave us messages by using the Anchor app. And also, don't forget, if you look in the mood for a good action thriller book, to buy my book called The Cabal, The Saga Begins. It's available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. And if you need a good book for your kid, get the I Am Survivor book or Invisible Girl book written by my daughter, Christina Retorto, also available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show and continue to listen to our shows every week. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Angelica from A Little Bit of Everything With Me podcast, and you're listening to Mark the Shark MMA Show. Hi everyone, this is Mark the Shark with Twitter, sending a message to all the fans out there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help support it by making a small donation. It could be anywhere from a dollar, $4.99, or $9.99. It could even be a monthly donation. Any amount is appreciated. To donate to this money to this podcast, go to www.marktheshark.com. Again, that's www.marktheshark.com. Thank you.